Today we're going to talk about being transformed by grace and what that looks like in our lives. So let's pray over um, our text, and then we're, we're going to read the text. So let's pray before we, we, we read our scripture. Dear God, we just thank you so much for your word. We thank you so much that we have the opportunity to read your message, and Lord, that it is relevant in our lives. And Lord, I pray today that you would still our minds and calm our spirits, that we might be able to dive in. And Lord, when things are that we read are difficult, Lord, I pray that you would help us to discern and help us to be open and to wrestle with the things that are difficult and to accept the things that are beautiful. Lord, thank you for what you have for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. So today we're going to spend most of our time in Ephesians 2. So let's read through the whole passage, and then we'll go back through it again and talk a little more in detail about it. So we're reading Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 10. And if you have a phone and you'd rather um, look at it digitally, you can also go to the YouVersion app, the little Bible app. And if you go down to events on your Bible app, you can pull up all the notes there as well. Ephesians 2. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and this is not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. This is such a rich topic, and there's so much packed into those really long sentences. <laughs> so we're going to try to unpack it a little bit. And I've kind of broken it up into three sections, and the first section talks about sin. And I'm just going to say right up front, sin is a difficult topic to talk about. Um, there are some Christians who talk a whole lot about sin and guilt. And then there are other Christians who really shy away from the conversation of sin and just talk about God's love and God's grace. And so today, as we look at this passage, we're going we're gonna to seek out a, a healthy balance and perspective, and we're going to try to learn um, from Scripture what God has for us. Um, we're going to have to talk about sin, but our topic is grace. Kind of like camping, you don't appreciate that shower until you've been dirty for four, <laughs> for four days. I feel like um, the context of our sin amplifies the beauty of grace. And so that's where we're going to start today. We're going to start with sin, but we're gonna, we're gonna, our, our, our main topic is grace, and that's where we're headed. So let's look at that first, those first three verses, that first section there. 
It says, as for you, you are dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live. So we were dead in our transgressions and sins. What does that mean? It's not a physical death, obviously, because we're very much alive, but a spiritual death to be, to be without hope. So sin created this hopelessness in us. It says, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air. There's a lot of ofs in there. And the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. That phrase, the ruler of the kingdom of the air, that's referring to Satan. And uh, often we're not aware of the spiritual battle around us, but there's definitely a spiritual battle going on around us um, good versus evil and satan is present and um, he's trying to influence people to follow his ways all of us lived among them at one time gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts and that is not a phrase we would normally use in in today's modern language but the cravings of our flesh that's referring to our, our unhealthy desires even when we know what's good for us, often as humans, we still crave or want to do something that we know is unhealthy, that we shouldn't do, so that the cravings of our flesh. Um, it's interesting that it, it says all of us, you know, lived among them at one time, you know, and now he's, re- he's speaking to believers, and he's saying, now you're out of that, and yet we're also in this, in this transformative time in our life where we've been, we've been saved, but we haven't been made perfect yet. And so we struggle with that, too, and we still struggle with sin and, and wanting to do what we know we shouldn't. And then the last sentence there, like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. And boy, that's a, that's a strong word deserving of wrath when i think of wrath um if in the context i would use it in it would be like a like a a temper flaring um almost like a a, an adult temper tantrum and i don't think that's what it's referring to here um i think it's referring to the inability of a holy and perfect god to accept sin as okay God has such a, a strong reaction against sin, against evil, because that is so opposite of his nature. Um, and we're going to see that as we, as we continue. So what is sin? Sin is falling short of God's standard. Sin is falling short of God's standard for us. It's, it's disobeying or um, doing something contrary to God's will, um, in our lives. And if we think about standards, even if we, we took God out of the equation and just set standards of, of morality or conduct for ourselves, we would probably all say we all fall short. You know, that's why New Year's resolutions are sometimes kind of a joke. Because, I mean, even if we want to do something, often we do fall short. That is part of being human. And yet, the gospel is called good news. So if the gospel ended there, that would not be good news to me. <laughs> but the gospel does not end there. Romans 3, verse 22 through 24 says this. This righteousness, this being made right in God's eyes, this righteousness is given through faith in Christ Jesus to all who believe. 
There is no difference between Jew or Gentile, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and all are freely justified by grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. To be 100% honest, growing up, I memorized verse 23, for all have, fall, have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And as, adult, as an adult, I look back, I'm like, oh, how sad that I memorized verse 23 without memorizing verse 24. All have fallen short, and yet all are freely justified by grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. So we start off by recognizing sin, and as we recognize sin, it amplifies the beauty of grace and its transformative power in our life. So let's talk about grace. Yay. (laughs) That's the part I wanted to get to. Verses 4 through 9. Made alive by grace. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace that you have been saved. Because of his great love for us. That's where it starts. So the reason why God extends grace is because he loves us. And that is just a beautiful place to start and a beautiful truth in our life. And then it says God is rich in mercy and God saves us by grace. So two two church terms. So we kind of want to talk about that mercy and grace. They can mean different things in different contexts. Um, Mercy is not giving us what we deserve. So someone deserves a consequence and God takes that away. That's mercy. You're being merciful. Forgiveness is part of mercy. Grace is giving us what we don't deserve. So grace takes mercy a step forward, a a step further, and, and blesses us on top of that. Extends kindness, an undeserved favor, an unmerited blessing from God. I don't know if you've heard of the parable of the prodigal son. There's this short story Jesus taught in parables, and he told this story. It, the short version is this. There's, there's a man with two sons, and he was a wealthy man. He farmed, and uh, his older son worked on his dad's farm, worked with him, did what he was supposed to do as an older son. And the younger son said, no, I don't, I don't want any part of this. And he asked his dad for half of his inheritance before his dad you know, had passed away. And he takes the money and he goes off and he um, just wastes all the money on wild living and partying and all this stuff. And then he's left with nothing. And finally he, he hits rock bottom and he says, well, even the servants in my father's household are, are living better than I am. Let me go back and see if my dad will let me be a servant in his household. And so he goes back and he falls at his father's feet and his father forgives him. But not only does he forgive him, he, he hugs him and he puts, gives him new clothes and he throws him a huge feast. And Max Lucado says this about this story. He says, mercy gave the prodigal son a second chance. Grace gave him a feast. So the mercy was the forgiveness and the not, not giving him what he actually deserved, the consequences of his actions, but the grace was then this unmerited kindness and love shown to the prodigal son. It is amazing to receive mercy from, from God. It is even more amazing to me to be loved 
and cherished by God and to be, to be given an abundance of grace. Let's continue in verse 6. It says, And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. It's interesting to me in Scripture when um, it speaks of salvation and being saved, often it'll use past tense and future tense, kind of um, interchangeably. And um, this concept is called the in- inaugurated kingdom, meaning the kingdom of, of God is here. It has begun, and yet it's still unfolding. There's parts of it that are still being um, realized that haven't happened yet. So it's interesting here. It says, you know, in the past tense, Jesus has saved us. And if you think about it, he died on the cross, and on the cross he said, it is finished, it is done. We are, we are saved when we believe in Jesus Christ. And yet there's also this future, this present and future that, um, part of this salvation process that we're being transformed. We're becoming the uh, people that God intended us to be. And so here it says that God seated us up in heaven. Well, ha- hasn't, we're not in heaven just yet, but we are saved. That our, our place is secure. And so you see, we have been saved and God has seated us with him in the heavenly realms. We have a secure place with God, and he wants, the purpose of that, he wants to show us his incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness through Jesus Christ. I think that's so beautiful, so so poetic there. And then down to verse 8. Just to be crystal clear for his readers, and Paul is writing to a church in Ephesus to believers there, to be crystal clear, he repeats his key points about grace. And he says, He says this, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so no one can boast. Grace cannot be earned. Grace cannot be bought. Grace can only be received as a free and unmerited gift. For for some of us, um, who feel guilty for what we have done or who feel like we're undeserving of of God's grace, this is good news because, yes, we are undeserving, but that's not how you receive grace. Grace can't be earned and it can't be bought. It is given freely and it is a precious, precious gift, freely given. There is nothing that we can do to make God love us less, even when we sin. There's nothing we can do to make God love us less, and there is nothing that God cannot forgive. As a parent, I've had an opportunity to say these words and extend this kind of of grace. I remember very clearly a few months ago, um, one of my daughters was, I caught her doing something she knew she wasn't supposed to be doing. And um, so I sent her to her room. And I, when I went in there, she was just sobbing in bed. She was just, just tears rolling down. And so we talked about what she had done. We talked about why. We talked about better choices. And in the end, I said, sweetheart, you're forgiven. 
And, um, and I'm thinking, okay, good. That was a good talk. We're done, right? She just kept sobbing and sobbing and her little heart was hurting. And I said, sweetie, why are you still crying? It's done. We've, we've talked about it. And she said, mom, I know you've forgiven me, but I just feel so bad still. And in parenting, if you're not a parent yet, some of you are a parent know this, like sometimes you get to those moments and you know, oh, this is a big moment. Like this is an important moment. I, I had that realization. Oh, this is big right here. And I said, um, sweetie, just so you know, there is nothing you can do to make me love you less. And there is nothing you can do that I can't forgive you. And then I said, do you know why? Because that's how God treats me. And that's how God treats all of us. And, and it was a beautiful moment. On that day, I was able to extend the type of grace that God ex- extended, has extended to me. And when she calmed down, we prayed, thanking God for how he loves us and how he forgives us. And I was like, what a powerful illustration for what grace is. Because in that context, as a parent, like I get that. But when I'm the child sobbing, sometimes it's harder for me to understand that. We receive grace freely from God. God, a God who is rich in mercy and grace, and and all of this fueled by his unconditional and amazing love for us. So we've talked about sin, we've talked about grace, and we're getting to our our big question today for for our become section. How does grace transform us? How does grace transform us? Let's read the last verse in that Ephesians 2 passage. Verse 10, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. There are two primary ways that I feel like grace transforms us. First of all, grace um, makes us into a new creation. A new creation giving us a new identity. And then also grace inspires and teaches us to live out of God's grace, to live out of his love and to extend that to others. So we're going to look at a, at a few other passages that talk about this. So 2 Corinthians 15, uh, 2 Corinthians 5, starting in verse 17, it says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All of this from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. The new creation has come. If anyone is in Christ, you are made into a new creation. As he heals us, as he forgives us, as he restores us, he recreates us into this new creation. I think of um, being transformed by the Holy Spirit and the fruits of the Spirit that start to develop in our lives, love and peace and patience. He's creating something new. And he also gives us a new identity. In 1 John 3.1, see what great love the Father has lavished on us, 
that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. To have received a new identity, to be called children of God, to be securely placed in, the, in, that, in that loving um, loving family. We just sang a song, I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. And that transforms us. That transforms us. If, uh, if you've, you know, we, I have an adopted brother. If you, if you have an adopted child or know someone who's adopted, being placed in a new family, that's transforming. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful process. And then let's go to Titus 2. Because grace also inspires and teaches us to live out of love and to live out of grace. It says, for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. Love that. To all people. No, no specifications there. To all people, grace is offered and salvation is offered. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled and upright and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. like that. Grace works in us teaches us to live godly lives and to be people that are eager to do what is good. When someone has done something incredible for you, it's a lot easier than to turn around and do something incredible for someone else. And that's, that's where um, how grace transforms us. So when we experience grace, it increases our capacity to extend grace. And I want to be a person of grace. I want to be a person of grace. Our invitation today, our, our opportunity today, is to accept God's grace in our lives, to allow it to transform our very being, and then to turn around and extend this grace to the people that we touch around us. Hebrews 4, 16 is one of my favorite verses. It says, Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. God's grace is a soft place to land. God's grace is born out of his great love for us, and all we have to do is open ourselves up and receive this gift freely, and it will truly transform our lives. What does it look like for grace to transform us? Um, I want to watch this short video. It talks a little bit about that. So what does grace look like in our lives? Grace transforms us, and we all come from different places and have different stories, but grace is this healing power in our life, when we experience God's love and God's grace. Grace enables us to forgive others and ourselves. Grace enables us to overcome struggles, to overcome addictions, to heal from traumas. Um, it softens our hearts. I think of, you know, I've heard people say, well, you just kind of have to ignore that about that person. They're just like that. That's just them. I'm like, well, grace changes people. Grace 
softens the, the rough edges. Grace also empowers, and grace empowers us to extend grace to others, to treat others with kindness when they're being unkind to us, to be gentle instead of harsh, to be patient instead of impatient, to be kind instead of judgmental. Grace enables us to um, speak graciously and kindly when we have disagreements, um, be it with coworkers, be it with our spouse, be it with um, just a friend who has a difference of opinion. We can extend grace in that. I think of social media, and I, th- and I ask myself, what would it look like to extend grace on social media, to have a loving and gracious tone? to our words that we put out there. I mean, wouldn't that be transforming in that arena especially? Think of my kids and my husband. What does it look like to have grace, to be quick to forgive, to be quick to be kind, and to be patient? I think of, of myself and, and for um, anyone who struggles with guilt I think of the grace to forgive and the grace to stand firm and secure as a child of God in the midst of our imperfection. And that is a beautiful, beautiful thing. When we immerse ourselves in God's grace, it changes how we respond to God, it changes how we respond to ourselves, and it changes how we respond to others. God's grace empowers us to live out his grace, and to extend it to others. And that is what church is supposed to be about. That is what church is. It is a community living and operating in God's grace and extending grace to the community around us. Church is a community living and operating in God's grace and extending grace to the people around us. And that's hard at times, but that is a beautiful place to be. And that is our, is our invitation today. Let's pray. Dear God, we just thank you so much for your unconditional love. Lord, we thank you so much for the grace that you continue to show. Lord, we thank you for Jesus and the mercy found in his death and resurrection. Lord, we just ask that you would open our hearts to accept your grace fully and to allow it to transform us and to live out of that grace. And that grace would just flow out of us, Lord. That love would just flow out of us and it would define who we are as individuals, and it would define who the Vine Church is as a church in this community, and Lord, that it would define your people all over the world. Lord, we thank you for your grace. In Jesus' name, amen.